0: What's up, guys and gals, this is Rick Martinez, host of the No Soliciting Experience, asker of questions, maker of memes, knocker of doors. Gosh, that was cheesy, but you know what's not cheesy? The podcast. My goal is to talk to top performers in the door-to-door industry and even those who have left the industry People who have done super dope things and continuously doing dope things. Again, in the industry or out of the industry. So, guys, I'm super excited to bring on this next guest. So, without further ado, let's get into it. The quicker you the faster you go. That's why where I come from, the only thing we know is hard, work hard, hard, work
1: hard, play hard, work hard, work hard, play hard, play hard, play hard, work hard, work,
0: hard. Work. work Work. 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 all right guys welcome back to the no soliciting experience super excited and super pumped to um have today's guest on ben morgan thank you so much for being on taking time out of your day um ben do you mind introducing yourself to the people a little bit yeah you bet uh again
1: ben morgan um ceo of anthem pest control uh Serial entrepreneur since the age of sixteen, um, kind of always been interested in business. Uh, had many many years of door to door sales experience with Moxie Pest Control and the uh, Jason Walton Empire. Um, translated that into working with Dave Royce um, and his his companies through Altera and Aptiv, uh, through multiple levels of the operational side, and uh, departed there in 2017 to start Anthem. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, Professionally, that's who I am. Personally, uh, proud father of four. Um, Three boys, one girl. Beautiful wife, live in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, just work hard every day to to try to have a little bit of impact on everyone that I work with or that works with me.
0: Awesome. Awesome, man. So curious, because most of us start off with some sort of like entrepreneurial... I'm not sure if if it's in our DNA or you know our mind just goes there. When you first started at 16, what 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 was it you you started doing? Yeah, like so my first challenge. business.
1: Yeah, the first business was was called Quality Aerating. Um, went to my dad and said, "I want to make some money. I want to buy a car." And he's like, "Well, you're going to have to do that yourself. I'm not giving you anything." <laughs> my dad was great that way in teaching me, kind of responsibility for my own my own things and so at 16 i went to a couple buddies and we we talked about doing a business we went and looked at aerators and growing up in salt lake city utah south jordan area um you know people take a lot of pride in their lawns in the south jordan area and so we saw an opportunity to to go out as 16 year olds and, and not go have to work at the you know i, I had been working at a uh, my first job ever was working at a cinemark um, I was a popcorn guy at the Cinemark theaters, and I, I I loved parts of that actually. Like it was one of the funnest jobs I ever had, but I hated that I was capped on my income. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the first time, even at you know fifteen and a half, I was just like, I'm not making. I wasn't making enough money to be able to do the things I wanted to do. You know, go on dates and have money for things and buy nice clothes or whatever uh, things that were important to me at that point. I didn't have the money to do those things, and so. I saw the opportunity to kind of have an uncapped earning with with uh, aerating and so me and a buddy went and bought an aerator, um, there's like four or five of us ended up working in the business but we would go out after school and literally knock doors, uh, that's how it all started. So um, just knock the door and say hey we're in the neighborhood. <laughs> doing the air rating. I mean, it's the same pitch that everyone else uses now. We're, we're here right now. If we can get you done, we're taking 30 bucks off. Let's get you done right now. If you want front and back, you'll save even more. And so yeah. we started doing that and we saw a lot of success with it. Um, and so from 16, I was making pretty good money. I, um, I want to say I made about $18,000 that year as a 16-year-old going to school. Um, doesn't seem like a ton of money, but it was about triple what anyone else probably made that year at at my age group. And so, um, yeah, I, I ran that. And then in the next fall, um, around Christmas time, we started Santa's little helpers and we would literally dress up as elves and go hang Christmas lights on people's houses. And that was the same pitch going door to door. Uh, we're here, you know, helping Santa get the lights out. Don't want him to miss your house, whatever. And that was actually really, really good money from November, our first year from November um, November 15th to December about 15th. Uh, we did about $45,000 in, in sales and there was three of us. And so it was great, um, great money. And so I had that kind of business for a few years um, until I got into the pest control industry. Um, when I got into the pest control industry, I was working with a guy named Rodney Royce. So it's Dave Royce's uncle. He was my scoutmaster with my father and uh, I was working with him at his cabinet shop and I was, you know, thinking about going on a mission and making enough money to go do that stuff. And he had said, you know, my nephew went out last year for a company in California named Clark pest control and he made like 30 grand in four months. And I was like, no way, you know, BS doing what pest control. Like I didn't see it. I just, I didn't understand it. And back then the pay scales obviously weren't what they are now. Um, I think we started at 13% or 14%. And if you got 25%, you were, you were making really good money. Um, but I went and met with Dave about a week before the summer and saw it as an opportunity to, you know, he was a pretty convincing guy. So I saw it as an opportunity to, to make enough money to pay for the mission myself. Um, I was always making good money, but I was always spending a lot of money. A lot of my friends weren't, uh, weren't always there. I kind of had a saying with a couple of my close friends that it's just money. I can make more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I used to say that all the time because a lot of them were broke growing up and they didn't have money to go, go to the movies and go on dates and go to the racetrack or whatever. And I was always kind of fronting the bill. And so I saw this as an opportunity where I hadn't really saved much of my money. I'd always just kind of been churning and burning it and, um, so I went out that first summer in Dallas with Dave. That was the first summer he was with with, uh, with Moxie and Jason Walton. Um, and Jason, Dave ran the meetings. He was the team leader, but Jason was very, very involved um, as the owner. We were in his branch in Dallas, and so I learned a ton from Jason. I'm more, I would say in the early days of Moxie, I really, really learned a lot from, from Jason. I was kind of, I looked up to Jason. He was the business owner. Dave was, you know, just my manager. Um, I mean, I remember Dave's reason, uh, that first summer, like he wanted to buy a Volkswagen golf. Um, so if any of you who know Dave's story, like, you know, now he drives a couple of different cars in the Volkswagen golf, but that was on his vision board in his, in his training room every day. I mean, I, when I went to his house, that was one of the things and he had a little board that he colored up and him and his wife, Christy would, you know, have dinner for us. And we talk a lot about different things, but, um, Went through that summer, did well. I missed about three weeks of the summer and, and serviced like 215, 220, somewhere around there. But I was 18 years old. Um, so did pretty well above average, obviously back in those days. Um, and then bounced around for a few years. Moxie was, um, approached by home team pest control back in those days to put on sales for home team. Mm-hmm. So we actually recruited a bunch of guys to go out and do sales for home team, Atlanta, Savannah, New York city, Oklahoma city, um, Vegas. So the first part of my fourth summer, I was, I was kind of bouncing between offices, uh, doing trainings for two weeks at a time. And then I ended up in Houston, uh, which was the summer that Dave Royce did nine Oh seven. Um, and that team was arguably the most talented team. I think that we've ever, I've ever seen assembled. Uh, just a bunch of killers um, guys that have gone on to start their own businesses and um, still work. Some of them still work in pest control. Others have gone into other industries now and after they've sold their business, but um, it was an incredible group. It's the group that Dave kind of launched Moxie with on the sales side. Uh, some of those guys are still around now with Aptiv and, and some have moved, you know, when, when Dave split from Moxie, some kind of stayed with Jason Walton and did their own franchises, but um, really, really talented group. The end of that summer. So I was always kind of doing the, the summer gig, you know, making good money throughout the summer. But as you know, we have to wait for our money. And so when I'd get home, I didn't really love the recruiting game very much. I never had a, you know, a huge downline of guys. Um, I'd always bring out a couple buddies and, and ran little small teams here and there, but it was never a a big, big thing. And so, um, I, 2007 i got married um and we're talking a lot about my history here but 2007 we got i got married and moved back to um work with joshua's pest control out in california Mm -hmm. with jason i was going to recruit locally down there and kind of build a year-round team was my my initial goal and at the end of that that summer i kind of decided it was time to get out of the industry i just didn't feel like i had the fire anymore in me Mm
0: -hmm. i've done
1: selling and i was like you know i need to. I need to go do something else. So, 2007, uh, kind of left the industry and and went to go work in the wonderful industry of construction in Utah. Right in 2007, so I couldn't have timed that worse. Um, got into cabinets, um, and yeah, 2007 kind of crash happened, and the owner that you know was a buddy of mine from high school had. Long story short, kind of embezzled the money and that the company had and taken off. And so after staying there and trying to make that work, I ended up leaving that industry. And a buddy of mine had started, a guy I had recruited that worked with me that first summer, his father-in-law was starting a gourmet foods company. Mm-hmm. They were looking for sales guys. And so Dan, I was obviously out of a job and, and Dan looked at me as, as one of the sales guys he knew could sell well. And So I went and met with, um, chef Shammy and we started chef Shammy gourmet, um, went to a food show and was doing literally Costco pitches with the microphone, pitching butter, pitching flavored butter on foods. (laughs) And it was crazy. Um, obviously it was entertaining. It was fun. I was working with a, with a close buddy, obviously. Um, but I was making more money there than I had ever made. Um, and we were in Costco's in, in Utah, and I was going around to Sam's Club, like grand openings all over the U.S. We'd go out for like 10-day little mm-hmm. gimmies here and um, was making great money. In terms of upfront pay per day, I would never brought home more in like a week. Here's, the, here's my yeah. paycheck. Um, in terms of overall annual earnings, it was okay. It was a good job. But I moved to Texas with that. In Texas, we weren't in Costco's. They hadn't opened up that region to us. Mm-hmm. And the sales in Sam's club with that were a little slower than they were in Costco. And so I ended up kind of bouncing out of that and trying to maintain the lifestyle that I had had, went into mm-hmm. uh, medical recruitment, uh, worked for a company that we didn't do direct medical recruiting. Um, we had a, a tool that would help people that were hiring doctors mm-hmm. um, to recruit quality doctors for their, their industries. And so I was selling the recruitment tool did that for a little bit. And then my buddy, Dan Williamson, who owns Vulcan uh, or Falcon pest control um, in, uh, in Dallas. And I think they have a branch now in, in Denver. Um, he was a team leader for, for Jason at EcoFirst, first, um, the last year of EcoFirst. So he was like, dude, get the hell out of that. Come back to pest control. You know, you're supposed to be over here. And so I did, I left like mid summer from that company went back to selling. Um, I'd gone and met with Dave. Um, and at that point I'd, I'd kind of like flirted with coming back a few different times, but, um, hadn't come back and I went and met with Dave and he was like, "Yeah, let's go, let's come out and sell. And so I serviced 116 in six weeks. Um, and well, 36 days, something like that. And then uh, Dave at the end of the summer, just like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to do next year? Like, what's, what are you, what's your goal? I'm just like, I don't think I can keep doing the door to door thing. You know, seven years on the doors is a long time <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for like, my family needs like stability. And he said, well, why don't you come into the operations side? And so this was like mid September, uh, about a week before like end of, end of October, we heard a rumor that EcoFirst was selling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, we obviously called up Dave and we're like, Hey, are you selling? We're hearing you're selling. I just got hired obviously. So I didn't really understand it. And he just said, it's cool. I've got everything under control. Yes. We're selling to we'll keep it quiet. We'll explain more next week. And so Terminex came in bought us. I worked there for during the transition. And then me and Greg Malone moved up to Virginia to open up Virginia um, as a first year office for Altera. I was a service manager that year. Uh, got promoted to branch manager, moved to Baltimore, opened Baltimore we had the number one office in Virginia that year, went to Baltimore, had one of the top three offices, I believe in the system. Um, and then went to Atlanta the following year and was in Atlanta for a year or two before they sold Altera. And when Altera sold that hurt the operation side or hit the operation side, I should say pretty hard. A lot of the guys didn't, didn't see that coming. We thought we were building towards being number three, number four in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of guys on the operation side, when that sold, had been talking about leaving Bayland, doing their own thing. Maybe we should do our own thing. And I was one of those who actually left when Altera sold and started to start a company with a good buddy of mine who owns a Hawks franchise. So i had kind of started and then Dave, um, hit me up and basically said, Hey, what do you, we we can't have you leave. We need you back here. What do you want to come back? You know, what would you need? And so we went through that list back and forth and came to an agreement to get me back over. And so I came back and, uh, yeah, was there for a year and still had that entrepreneurial fire to go kind of do my own thing. I think that's important to talk about. Like when you're with a company that grows to a certain scale and you want to have impact, it's really frustrating to have that entrepreneurial mindset of wanting to try different things, but it's not your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really humbling experience for me to kind of go through that. Um, you know, I considered myself really, really, I considered myself really, really close with Vess and, and Dave and, and Heath, who was over the operations team. Uh, Heath was a great, great guy to work with. Um, but I always just always frustrated when I would come up with an initiative and it wouldn't get listened to cause I, I was like, look, if we would just do this, I know it'll work out, but like, you don't, you can't prove what you can't prove, you know? Yeah. And if it's not your, your money that's being risked, it's really easy to try whatever you want. And so, mm-hmm. but just to the point for me at the end of the end of all that, where I was just, I was kind of hungry for change and hungry to move on. I was getting a little complacent in some of my responsibilities and not really, I didn't have the fire mm-hmm. um, because I, I just felt like I was, it was just all about money at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and when it's all about money, money is a great initial driver. Um, a lot of guys talk about their why being money when they start. And that's kind of where I was at. I was just, you know, the money, the the L tip equity, you know, whatever that meant, I didn't really know or care. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was at the point where I just said, you know, I need to, I need to probably step away and do my own thing. And I called, uh, called Aaron Peden, who Aaron's wife and my wife are cousins. And so that's kind of the relationship there. But he was running wave, um, which was at the time, one of the top satellite startups in the country, um, for direct TV. And we would chat all the time about, you know, what, what should I do with this? What should I do with this? And I, we kind of respected each other professionally, but he said, I called him to say, Hey, can you teach my son how to swing a bat? Cause I never played baseball. My son loved baseball. And I, you know, at the time i you know, not like I'm thin now I'm losing weight, but I was, even bigger was almost 400 pounds at that point. And, um, I said, Hey, can you teach him how to swing a bat? And, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. He says, what do you think about like starting your own pest company? I've got an investor out in Vegas that, you know, is one of the largest McDonald's franchisees that wants to invest. And, in, um, you know, that guy, uh, he, he wants to, wants to potentially invest in our business, but I, I like the pest control model more because it's recurring, it's residual. Um, would you ever leave? And I said, well, yeah, if we had the right investor, the right money, the right team, like I'd leave, but like we need sales guys, you know, uh, how are we going to get sales guys? And he said, well, my brother has recruited teams for us at wave. He would go over and help do that. And he's got a buddy, Mitch Matthews, who that's how we knew the investor, Jake and Jake and Aaron and Mitch had grown up together up in uh, Washington and, and Mitch had served his mission in Orlando. That's where he met the investor
0: mm-hmm. on his
1: mission and they had remained close. Um, the guy's a huge BYU football fan and, and obviously Mitch was playing for BYU. And so they struck it off pretty well. And Mitch had (laughs) done some good things, obviously for BYU football. Um, and so I, anyway, long story short, it was like early, like late January, uh, early February, somewhere in there, 2017. And I caught a plane and flew out to, to Vegas and met with, uh, met with the investor and, and Mitch and Jake and basically sat down at the steakhouse. I pulled my computer out of this steakhouse and went over the projection sheet that I built to, to show what the company could do based off metrics. Mm-hmm. And if we can go recruit X, here's what I know I can do operationally. Here's the differences and things I want to implement. That'll be different. that will make it even better. And had that whole thing built out knew my numbers and, uh, the rest is kind of history we got the investment and um went back resigned gave my 60 day
0: notice and um you know here we are here we are okay dude ben li- li- listening to you the the biggest thing that that stands out is one you're i think all entrepreneurs have this sense of curiosity and it's just one of those things that, oh, I, I wonder what that would do, right? Um, when you were with like uh, Dave and Vest, you're like, I know if we did this, we, we can do that way, right? So you're always looking at opportunities. You're always looking at a way to continuously improve the situation that you're in, right? I sure. feel like a lot of people in, in this industry have the itch to be an entrepreneur, but we're put into an entrepreneur position because of the bigger machines that we work with. Um, earlier, prior to starting this, we're talking about, um, the intel being intellectually curious. Um, yeah. what, what, what does that mean to you being in intellectually curious? Well, when I think of being intellectually curious and
1: before I hit that, maybe just touch on one other thing. Like a lot of the things I had pushed for were it, like were initiated You know, a lot of the things I had done were except that's why I moved so quickly through the ranks at Altera. I believe I was the fastest guy to reach regional manager. You know, I I jumped a lot of other guys that had kind of been there. Part of that was me coming back, um, you know, and just wanting to have more input and more be at the table and have a voice. was one of my conditions and kind of coming back after I had left when Altera sold. Another part of it was obviously what I had done, the numbers that I had had are, are irrefutable. The numbers, the numbers, right. Um, I always ran a branch that was pretty much top five in almost every metric that's important to the business. And in a growing business with, you know, different sales teams. And I'd worked really closely with, with uh, you know, Travis Williams and his, his direct team back then he was still selling every year. Uh, he was in like kind of following me from Virginia to Baltimore, to Atlanta. Uh, we had had a really good working relationship and, and knew how to support each other, knew how to communicate clearly. So I would say communication is huge. Um, but they did, they did I I felt like I always had a voice. I just felt like when it when I wasn't listened to, it, it was like, ah, oh, my voice isn't as good as I thought, you know, like I'm not as important to them or my opinion isn't as important where I felt like I would be I was right anyway. Like I felt like not that they were wrong, because they it's their business, they can make those decisions. I just felt like um maybe if they would have listened more, we would have had even better numbers. And if this would have been initiated, it would have been even better. So in terms of being that that curious and, and why I came to those conclusions was, I mean, you have to be able to look around corners and have the curiosity and the courage to, to learn new things, to meet new people, to have different experiences that are not linked to like normal day, um, normal day experiences. That puts you in a position to learn and so if you're always looking for what can be improved and what can be better like we track our numbers you know on a daily basis and a weekly basis and a monthly basis uh, we go over all of that stuff constantly because we're always looking for an edge always trying to find something we can do more to improve um, one of our kind of core things that we teach our guys is to be the hardest worker in the room um, and that's that's really really important for an entrepreneur because nobody cares about your business as much as you will. You can't delegate like pride, you know, you can, you can try, <laughs> but it's not like no one's going to care as much as you do about it. If you're not obsessed, you know, with your business, then, then it's doomed to fail. But I think for any entrepreneur, and, and it was the same for me, uh, there's a great benefit in first working for a company small or large. Um, where you're provided the context of understanding on either how to build, how to work, or, or just to be part of an organization. Because you're gonna take away things from that that are good and bad, um, and probably different than your own perspective and you know, about what you wanna do, um, about the things you wanna change. Um, and it's very difficult to learn that stuff from school or from a textbook. Uh, you know, a classroom, the old Gary V model, like life experience trumps all. And so, you know, two to three years of that really, really helps have a solid foundation to kind of implement your ideas on a platform or an industry you already understand. Um, and so it's not the best thing. Uh, it's not the best thing to learn, um, but you, you have to observe and practice and, and be willing to refine your craft so that you can have the impact that you're wanting to have. And if you don't put in that time or effort, like,
0: you know, you're
1: not gonna get there.
0: Yeah, of course. Um you're 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 absolutely right. And it's 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 so crazy to think about it. Um, but I feel like there there's almost there there has to be this, this sort of mentality of like like a sponge mentality, right? You just gotta absorb everything. One, one of the biggest things that, that I've learned from entrepreneurs who have broken off to do their own thing is while they're working, I guess, for somebody, they just absorb everything they can and then just implement that um, to whenever they start their own thing. So super important. I agree with everything you just said. Um, well, and the bigger, the bigger your company grows, if you're working for a company, the bigger it gets, right? The bigger that balloon
1: rises. like, you got to realize management sitting on top of the balloon. And so mm-hmm. the bigger that company gets, like the bigger the space is between you and them typically, unless you're able to kind of hang on and reach those different ladder marks of being mm-hmm. able to stay near the top. And so if you're coming in as an entry-level guy, like if you're coming into active right now, you don't even maybe, maybe not even know who Dave Royce is. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't even know his name when we meet with people. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Dave. And they're like, who's Dave? I'm like, he's the chairman of the company. <laughs> he's the majority owner, you know, but they don't even know that. And it's, it's because, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I don't, that's not a bad thing. I'm proud of Dave, like immensely proud of the man he's become and who he is and what he's accomplished. Um, but there's also like, as an entrepreneur, like wanting to run an organization and, and, and that tight knit bondhood. like to where it is now is, is, very, very different than when it was when Moxie franchise started for Dave. He was yeah. intimately involved in all those details and even through Altera, intimately involved in all the day-to-day. And so that delegation has occurred because Vess is in a position to be able to do that stuff. And, um, you know, all that said, like, same thing for, for, for me and my partners. Like, me and, and, and Mitch and Jacob, we take a lot of pride in having that tight-knit, close relationship with our guys. And though we're busy, um, you know, and things are busy, you know, yeah. on a daily basis, but we still try to have that, uh, that interaction. And, um, you know, a lot of our, obviously you can only have it with a certain amount of people. There's only so much time in the day and that's just a natural occurrence of being able to scale. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we've scaled every year, you know, pretty much doubled our output every year. We've already surpassed this year what we had done our first year uh, in total sales growth. And uh, it's, it's crazy to see happening and, and to be a part of something that's, uh, that's growing so fast and it's, it's funny. Cause like still a drop in the bucket at what a lot of other companies do, you know, industry wide. And, um, mm-hmm. we should break top, top hundred companies. I think we'll be like 80 low eighties this year on the okay. uh, PCT list for next year, uh, which was a goal of mine. That was one of my goals in, in wanting to leave is I, I felt like I could run an organization that was top, uh, you know, top hundred organizations in our industry. And, We'll do that, um, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. So part of part of that, what I'm seeing and what part of what, what I'm getting is very, very goal driven. Um, you guys are growing, right? I see. So I've I've been running this meme page here for a little under two years now, um, and I remember seeing back in 2018 early, like everybody with the hashtag was stop anthem, stop anthem, right? And I was like, what is, and I saw it everywhere. I'm like, yeah. who Who are they? And it just kept on piquing my curiosity. And now I see it more, more than ever. So the growth is there. The amount of like personal investment that you your the, the reps have is incredible. You guys are growing. Now for everybody else who's growing within their industry, like what could be something that, I mean, cause you guys continuously grow what's, some simple things that you know people can do to start growing themselves
1: yeah no that's a good question um and don't get me wrong with growth comes setbacks too you know we had we had some big setbacks last year with some guys we thought were were prepared to be in leadership roles that weren't Mm -hmm. and um had to learn that a little bit the hard way and um but it's, it, you know, despite that, we're still going to scale this year and, and double what we did last year, which is awesome. Um, and so I think the number one thing is, is surround yourself with like-minded people. Don't recruit for numbers, recruit the hunger, like recruit guys that are actually hungry. Um, a lot of times people just try to stick to their couple friends and they're not really proud to talk about what they do. I think Sam Taggart and what he's done has made a big difference. Um, and guys embracing the industry is like something to be proud of. And um, I love Sam for that. And I consider Sam a really close friend as well. And um, he's, he's done a ton for the industry that way. And, and being sure that people aren't ashamed of being a door to door guy or, or making a living, mm-hmm. you know, knocking doors. Because um, you can make, you know, a lot of income doing this stuff. And so I think the number one thing would be talk one, be proud of what you're doing you know, really be proud of it. And if you're not like, figure out what it's going to take for you to be proud of it and start doing those things or start learning those things and getting a better understanding of what the industry can do for you. Because if you are proud of what you're doing, you shouldn't have a problem talking to other people about joining you and and putting forth effort. And if people are hungry, a lot of people are hungry to make good money, right? Mm -hmm. Especially, uh, there's not probably a huge gap between my age group and your age group, but Mm -hmm. your guys' age group is, is, you know primed more than ever like the time we live in right now for entrepreneurs I don't think has ever been better yeah Um, for people to come out start their own thing you know the ease of use of of consumer behavior is is amazing (laughs) they've kind of been conditioned over the last 15 years to accept door-to-door and you know anyone who's in uh, cities that are constantly hit up know that you know they get sometimes get a lot of crap for that but if you're a good salesman, you learn the skills to overcome the annoyance of being a door to door guy. You can get to actually the benefits of sales through door to door. And so it just comes down to finding the right people that are hungry. Um, And then leading by example, you know, that being the hardest worker in the room uh, you know, 10 X in your effort, be the first guy to to hit the doors, last guy to get picked up for lunch, first guy back on the doors um, you know, last guy to to finish knocking the day. Like you only have roughly a hundred days, yeah to, to, to earn a year's worth of income so what i find mo- most interesting is the guys that typically bitch or, or that make excuses or that mm-hmm. don't hit their numbers or that you know talk about how the company screwed them those are the same guys that didn't work with that fire they're the same guys who tried to make a year's worth of income with a three years worth of work pace you have to try to make a year's worth of income in four months yeah and so that's different for each person you know some people's top might be 400 other people's is a thousand um, in terms of what they think their top is. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. I've seen that over and over and over again um, with, with high producers, especially Mitch. I think Mitch is probably, you know, a lot of guys claim to be the goat um, of this industry. And you know, the numbers are all over there. Uh, you can look at total numbers, you can look at revenue, you can look at ACH percentage, which is actually mm-hmm. 2%, you know, back into the company instead of paying a credit card fee you can look at a lot of different things that help drive profit for a business or sales value. But what I look at and I consider Mitch Matthews, the goat, and mm-hmm. you know, that's just because he's the, he came out as a rookie. The only experience he had in life was playing football. Mm-hmm. And literally we sat at the investment table <laughs> with our investor and the investor who knows Mitch really well uh, personally. And you know, through the mission said, well, what are you going to do? And Mitch was like, well, I'm going to sell. And he was like, really, you're going to go mm-hmm. sell. No way. And so for Mitch to come out and hit a thousand his first summer with zero experience, zero training, you know, um, just going and hitting it. I I don't think that's ever been done. And so, um, some could argue, well, yeah, you could do that every year over and over again. Mitch is now the president of our company. Um, we, you know, we, we, he was promoted last fall, um, at our leadership meeting out in, in Park City and, um, We're doing some big things we got huge things coming still and uh, we're really really excited to you know finish out this year strong with our sales and have a massive explosion um, in recruiting and and growth
0: this next year i I like that i and i feel like everything comes back to just being the hardest worker in the room um that's that's really what it takes um and you you put it in a way that i mean i've always thought of it but no one's ever put it into words you have you know, on a good year, a hundred days to make a year's worth of income. With all this COVID stuff, you know, some guys not not being able to knock. I know for us over at adaptive, I think we have maybe fifty percent of the company working right now, maybe a little bit more. I don't know, but I mean, you have all like the East Coast states, you have all the West Coast states. Like guys aren't working, so their summers are being shortened by by, by a lot. You know. Um, and it just comes down to what you do with the time that you're allotted. Uh, yeah. Growing up, growing up, I um, I had you know pretty rough upbringing, wasn't the best. Um, but I remember one one of the sayings that my mom always told me. She said, "You can be a creature of circumstances, or you can be a creator of opportunities." So it's it's what you do with what you got, not you know giving half ass yeah. effort. Yeah, uh, Jason about Walton.
1: Jason Walton, the, the owner of Moxie, what he used to say was, wherever you are, be there. Um, and that's crucial. Like, right now, if you look at the guys who aren't able to go work, like, what are they doing with the time where they thought they would be working, right? They planned up until now to be on the doors. Now they're not. Most of them aren't doing shit. That's the reality. Most of them are sitting at home. They maybe they can't be hitting the gym. Gyms are closed. Right, They may be going for runs, but most of them are probably on apps and looking at crap, and they're not doing the things they should be right now. What you should be doing right now if you're in that situation, you should be reading. You should be refining your skill. You should be practicing your role plays. If if it was me, I'd be at the office every day picking the brains of the top guys that are still in their offices that aren't able to go selling. Mm -hmm. I'd be getting really, really good at my job so that if my summer is shortened by 40%, then you're able to capitalize on the 60 days you have left and actually have the same volume in 60 days that you would have had in a hundred because you prepared. Yeah. And so, um, you know, door to door con Ed Milet talked about like meeting your future self. Right. Mm -hmm. And like when you die, like being able to embrace that person as your twin or whatever, like if you're not putting forth that effort, then you're just leaving, you're leaving production on the table. And that's just, as an entrepreneur, that's, you don't do that. You know, you can't do that. You can't afford to do that. Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I can't tell you how many date nights I've ruined, um, or, or opportunities to be a good husband or father that I've ruined by, by having to do what needs to be done, um, for the business, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, it does, I mean, it's, it's, it's your second wife, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's just as important because it provides everything for the family. And so, um, you know, you got to be fortunate. That's probably the other thing I'd say in a relationship, if you're a married guy, like find someone and be sure that person's included. Um, it's not you, it's, it's both of you. And if, Hmm. you know, as a marriage, if you want to have a successful business, be sure you have a successful marriage. Yeah, Uh, I remember asking Dave Royce, um, once like what, uh, he had just had his first kid and I was like, how do you, how do you be a good dad and be a a good provider and still be a good business worker? This was always in Baltimore. And he was like, you you don't, you choose which one you want to do. And at the time I like, I hated that answer because it like, it affected me and being like, well, I have to like keep promoting and being good. So I'm going to work my ass off, which is what Dave's angle was as the owner. And it was a smart move, but I just totally disagreed with the context of it. My thought was, no, you, you don't have to do one or the other. You can do both. Um, my wife tells me all the time, you can't do both because you can't, you can't be perfect at both, you know, but it's about time allocation. You have to allocate your time appropriately. And the times where I need to be the best CEO or the best, you know, thinker, the best learner for the company to be able to make those decisions the best way, I need to be the best in those times and in those moments. And the other times where I need to be a good husband and I need to take time off and shut my phone off and disappear. You know, a lot of people are like, I'm available 24 seven. I'm not. I'm not available 24 seven because, but I'm available from, from 7 a.m. to about 10 p.m. And on Thursday nights, 7 p.m. So I go on date night, Thursday night, and I'm not available. But if I'm not, I'd be sure that other people are my, you know, if it's something emergent now I've got leaders in every position now that, that fill those voids. And so I think access is very important. Um, and if you're, a, if you're a new guy coming in, like you've got to find somebody to learn from you know, don't just be a guy that sits in the meetings and like kind of learns from the team leader. Yes. The team leader is your guy that's training you directly, but there's somebody else that has other visions and other thoughts above him that you should try to go reach out to and befriend and and DM and say, Hey, look, I, I need, I would love to pick your brain for one hour a week on Thursday nights after we're done knocking. Can you commit to helping me? You know, I want to improve like seek out the knowledge there's there's people who are willing to help and help you grow and help you scale but you have you know that onus is on you to to kind of take responsibility for your own growth um, yeah. if you wait for somebody else to recognize your effort you know it, it doesn't always get recognized people are busy you know it's mm-hmm. not out of hatred for you or or anything else i mean people just have a lot going on and so it's your responsibility to be noticed it's your responsibility to produce um, you know for you, for yourself, for your family, for that future you that you're chasing
0: yeah, exactly, and we we're we're in an age who's ever listening to this. Uh, we're in an age where you can do that, and it's it's astounding to me how much information you can find, like right now, if I wanted to, I can DM six different hyper high performers in a ton of different industries. We're, we're all good buds, right? We know that there's, there's a there's a respect line where we don't try and recruit each other, but we're interested in each other's growth. We're, and it's it's fascinating to see how how much people want other people to see. The old age of door-to-door where you couldn't talk to somebody without them trying to recruit you over, I feel like that's, that's, that's coming. I mean, it, it, it'll always be there, but it's becoming less and less uh, of a thing that we see. Now we want to see other people succeed. I do because when I see other people succeed, it means I can do it too.
1: Yeah. No, I think you see that more and more for sure. And I think you see that with – like we've seen that. I've seen that with guys who – like Mitch, for example. I mean, Mitch is an easy example because I work with him on the day-to-day. He's a partner. But um, I can't tell you how many guys – because of Mitch is – because of Mitch, who he is, uh, not the football star, but like his desire to have impact is – is literally unmatched from anyone that I've worked with. Um, And we're not obviously as our our organization isn't as big as other companies. Um, But his desire, I would say supersedes anyone that I've ever seen in terms of having that impact. Um, And maybe that's just because we're young entrepreneurs is our first, you know, our first go at it. And like when we're up against Goliaths in the industry constantly um, it's easy to be like, Oh, well, you're not the same. Well, no, duh. Like we're 15 years behind You know, the start of our organization is now there's 15 years old, like we're not at the same level, of course, Um, but we're always kind of chasing that little line. And so because of Mitch, who he is, like, I can't tell you how many guys have hit up Mitch to come join us and what we're trying to do and join that stop anthem movement because of, you know, that, that drive of who Mitch is and guys wanting to learn from him and see like, how did you as a rookie come to a thousand? How did you do that? Like I'm convinced if Mitch were to go, you know, hardcore, he could set whatever goal he wants. It's just time, you know? But it's it's interesting. Like the goat number is a is can be viewed so many different ways. It can be viewed on were they pest accounts or were they pest and mosquito accounts? Like what's the true breakdown? You know, was it are you counting twenty-four month revenue or are you just counting twelve month revenue? Like Every company uses it different and everybody looks at it differently. And it's an absolute crock of shit. Like what we should do as an industry is really look at 12 month revenue. And if we could all come to a consensus on what is the 12 month revenue that you created, or if you want to do contract, if you're going to sell a 24 month and want to count that fine, but the reality of the business is there's attrition. And so your value to an organization, if you go put on a thousand accounts, you know, or 950 or whatever, and 30% of them are gone by December. You're not really a thousand account rep, you're a 600 account rep. And that's awesome. But don't pretend you're in a thousand account rep, you know, Mitch's retention at, at back end was over 95% on his thousand. Most guys can't say that. Um, so it's very interesting to, to kind of see that game that gets played in the recruiting about who the best is or come learn here, or come learn there. Um, we know who we are and we're proud of what we're doing. Um, and I think our structure in terms of allowing guys to have ownership of their own sales and kind of own a piece of what they build with us, um, is, is different. It's, you know, we have that profit sharing model where guys are paid residually on the accounts that they get. We offer residual pay and have from our inception. Um, other companies are starting to do that now, which is great to see. Um, I'm really proud that we started our company that way and founded it that way and shared, shared a piece of the wealth from the beginning for guys that show loyalty. You know, he shouldn't just give things out just because either, um, things have to be earned and there's a price to be paid for anything that you do in life. And, um, yeah, we've seen guys like even Austin, you met, you, you interviewed Austin McDermott the other day. Like he's a guy who reached out to Mitch and left his company and Mitch didn't find him. He found Mitch and he came to chose to come work with us. and and look what he's doing this year. I mean, he's on pace to do a thousand, um, after doing a little over 400 last year. I mean, it's yeah. just a mindset thing. And so, oh yeah. and I don't attribute Mitch with, with that growth, you know, any more than I attribute myself. Like we're here to support Austin in his efforts. And our job is to be sure he has a solid place to grow. And, um, Austin's mindset and his, his devotion to being his best self is what's impacting him. And, and that's the same for everybody. If you really want to be better then freaking be better, like make the choice. It's literally just a choice. Um, success is, is compounded with, you know, more success. But um, if you want to make changes and you're something you need to change, like my fat butt, you know, like I, I'm getting up every morning and I'm working out every morning. Um, you know, I'm in a good, good loss. On my birthday last year, I was 395 pounds. It was in September. Um, yeah. I'm at 3.51 and a half this morning. Um, and I haven't worked out every day. I'm not perfect, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm sick of being this this thing. So I'm trying to make changes and, and make improvements. And so sometimes that's consistent. And, you know, I'm a badass. I don't ever miss a day. Some guys are that way. My, yeah. you know, my partner, Jake, Peden, um, is so deliberate and so, like, intense on everything that he does. I'm not that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say, be true to yourself, but if you really want to change, then like embrace change and really push for it and try to, um, try to remember to actually do the things that bring the success. Don't just think about it. Like it's action. Action is the thing that changes, um, changes like intentions. Don't do shit.
0: You're absolutely right. Dang. What I wanted to do is I wanted to leave this 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 uh, last last little bit open, but I feel like you just dropped some major bombs right there. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I, I, you know, we're we're moving quite a bit. I mean, my other my other businesses that we're working on, and I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, it's the same thing with both of those, like mm-hmm. Supplement Pass. Uh, if you guys haven't heard of Supplement Pass, check it out. You get a free trial to basically get access to the best supplements that are out there at manufactured pricing. So you pay nine bucks a month or 59 bucks a year and you can buy as much as you want, um, at manufactured costing. So don't pay 60 bucks for protein at, at, uh, don't go pay 60 bucks for protein at GNC. buy it for 18 bucks from us and get the same exact yield. Um, save your money that you're working for and invest it in yourself. Um, that's the direct to business or direct to consumer business. The other business is Rocktomic, which, Is exploding right now. We have one and a half salesmen, and we're doing almost sixty thousand a month in recurring revenue with that. And so we're just about to start pouring the fuel on the fire to really scale that. We've been investing in our own kind of onboarding system to to really scale that. We think we can, you know, blow that thing through the roof. But it's it's great uh, to be involved in so many industries that are really focused on just helping people grow. that's you know, probably a, a, the commonality between all the businesses I'm in is it re- really is in personal development, um, and you know financial profitability. Like you have a fiduciary responsibility in a business to make a profit. That's the whole purpose. And so, whether you're an individual or the owner, uh, or if you're an investor, um, you know you obviously want to see your money come back to you. And so, your responsibility is to do your best every day. And not take time off, you know. I think that's the number one thing in our industry. And I was one of them. I was a guy who never reached my potential on the sales side. You know, I have, I definitely have regrets when I look back on my sales days um, of not working my hardest and being my best. I was the guy who would get four by lunch and call it a day. You know, I was the guy at the pool who, okay, yeah, I made eight hundred bucks that day, and I was sitting at the pool, which was pretty cool for my age group, but damn, I could have used that extra freaking 1500 bucks I, I left out there. Now, if I had that now, and if I could go back and like talk to my younger self I'd smack them upside the head, because it's, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing someone with potential that wastes their potential. And I would say that's probably my mission. If it, my why is to eliminate my potential. Um, that's something that gets me going every day. And um, you know, just eliminate your potential Like get rid of the things that you hate about yourself by taking action on the things that you, uh, you want to change.
0: There we go. So Ben, um, I just got a text. We're about to start our morning meeting here soon. So let's um, what, what, what I want to do is at the end of each of these podcasts, um, I like to open it up, right? There's something that, some words of wisdom, some fires, some knowledge that, um, I feel like people can share and it's kind of what, what their thing is. Um, so for this last little bit, I just want to leave it open to you. Uh, whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, go ahead and share it. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: I think I kind of just did that, but I'll end with one more thought and it's just people are going to talk anyway about you, people are gonna talk. And so it's your responsibility, it's your personal responsibility to give good content. Because people are gonna talk anyway. So you might as well have an impact rather than not having an impact. So just choose to take action on the things that drive you towards your goals. Because if you're driving towards your goals, whatever that is, if it's three in a day, if it's having a 20 week, it's having a 30-week, 40-week, 50-week, 60-week, whatever that number is, um, whatever your goal is, Like, just take responsibility for yourself because no one's going to do it for you but you. Um, you can plug yourself into a system that helps you get there, and that's important, um, but it's, it's just as important to be you know, surrounded by people that are pushing you towards that. So take responsibility for yourself, kick ass, and it's uh, really all I got. Perfect. It,
0: Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Appreciate you and your time to um, the time you've taken out of your day to be on the podcast. Appreciate that so much. So yeah, I um, I guess guys we will see you on the next one. That's why where I come from. The only thing we know is go hard. go hard, make sure you do whatever it is that you gotta do. That's your job. And niggas gonna hate, but that's no problem so, hey, fuck them, don't need nothing from them. Some niggas talking, but the shit they claim it don't mean nothing. It's-